A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> Literally Gaysian. Literally Gaysian. It's literally Gaysian. Gaysian. Where we get real about our feelings and literally Gaysian shit. I'm Bao, your host, and here's my co-host, the patron saint of blaming everything on his ADHD, Chris. That's me. Hello. And if I'm that, then you're the patron saint of blaming everything on your anxiety. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, and today, after 22 episodes, 19 guests, and just one rave scandal, we've arrived at our season one finale. Okay, so we haven't talked in a few weeks now um, as we kept putting off this episode. So <laughs> I didn't want it to end. What have you been doing with yourself during this continued fun employment time on your hands, Val? Um, so I am not traveling as much, mainly because I can't afford to anymore. So, uh, <laughs> yes, we're in the same boat. So actually staying put, I call it finding stillness. I also call it being broke. <laughs> But I'm consulting now, so I'm getting a little bit of money in and then um, putting a lot of work into the job hunting still. I'm focused on that. So some days I'm super focused on that, like trying to think about what my client wants and trying to like do some research. And other days I just get lost using like AI tools. I think I'm late to like finding, being in the wonder of the weird AI tools of putting all my data into whatever evil hands or evil supercomputer that's processing it. Because... When some days I'm like, I should be using AI to like improve my resume or my cover letter. But then like the other day I spent four hours and like 17 bucks. Okay. No wonder I'm broke, but like 17 bucks paying some AI thing to try different hairstyles on myself. (laughs) You couldn't just do it to your own hair. No, no. It was, you know, like, you know, you know, that day when I texted you, Hey, what do you think I would look like in a Caesar cut? (laughs) And that's where your money went. And then I was, and you're like, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know either. Then I'm like, 
oh. And so, yeah, I spent $4, four hours, sorry, four hours, $17. They gave me the weirdest haircut trends, but they're funny. So maybe I'll post them later. But like, it's all like super ponytail with a long, it, it, it's, it's just really funny. And I don't look good in a Caesar if anyone's, if anyone's wondering. I spent so much time on that. I'm like, the sun had set and like it was time for dinner by the time I looked up. Spending a lot of time in LA means that I've got to be here for a while and like really go out every weekend. And so Halloween was so fun. We were going to go to Pegasus. It got canceled like it always does. So we went to poor Detroit and my favorite trashiest place in LA, Reload. Reload. Oh, I know the Reload. <laughs> like, wait, wait. What, what, was your, uh, what was your impression of Reload when you went? I remember that I could not find the exit. I didn't know where I was in the place because it is so dark and they keep flashing strobe lights at you. So you never know which direction you're headed. Sometimes I might run into like a railing. Sometimes I might be taking a step off of a (laughs) staircase and sometimes I'm running into somebody's dick. I just don't know what's going to happen there. And it's a little exciting. (laughs) I went for Halloween, right? So it was like literally a horror film. Like there's like intense music. No one's around. It'd be very easy to get murdered in there. But I still love it so much. It's like the so because it's so trashy, it makes it so fun and like you're not supposed to do it. And it's when you're not supposed to be at something like that, it just makes it seem a lot more like intriguing for me. Um, and they fixed the AC. So I think fixing the AC helps because it used to be like a tropical thunderstorm inside. Like remember that mm-hmm. one time I came back from Lee Reload because I stayed there longer while you guys left? And literally my my socks were completely soaked. <laughs> I think somebody took their tank top off and wrung the sweat out of it. Yes, and just from dancing. It was so gross, but they, they fixed that. And then two weeks ago, maybe this is why we were not, we, we put out this episode for so long because we're just, I've just been partying. Um, the last weekend, a bunch of North America's rave Gaysians, they were in LA for Dream State. Dream State. Dream State. Meme state. I mean, I didn't go. I did go to Peggy. This is what Arthur's nickname for Pegasus. He's like, let's go to Peggy. And it was fun. They didn't close it. But I'd also feel like, I feel like, you know, what you said when it was Folsom, like when I roll now, I just feel like kind of woozy. My inhibitions are gone. I kind of become like a drive-by make-outer. I'm just like, whatever, whoever's mouth is free. Um, If you ever want to make out with me and I don't give you bad vibes, like that's a good time to try to make out with me. But I'm like (laughs) you. I just... Unlike Troy Savan, don't feel the rush. Mm. I don't feel high um, or, you know, or, or that like flying feeling anymore. And I feel like my brain is like my STIs. They're like my depression. It's just drug resistant. Okay. You've been working <laughs> on that one for a while, haven't you? I know. I love that one. <laughs> and I, because it's in my notes app, I can't tell whether I create, I came up with it or stole it from TikTok, but you never know. Um, <laughs> how, um, how have you been? Oh my God, since we last spoke, I feel like so much seems to have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as you can see, I've stopped bleaching my hair. I'm Me trying too. to grow it out. Look at us. Uh, the scalp burn was getting too much, and I wasn't getting laid. So, really? <laughs> it's, uh, it's just people don't like the colored hair. Interesting. And now people are saying it makes me look younger. So, I'll take what I can get. Yeah, uh, like, dude, um, I when I went platinum, and I posted, you know, I posted on my stories, of course, because I was going through a crisis. We were, we both were, um, and 
my friends with benefits, the one that I used to see all the time, said, you're still cute, but I prefer guys with darker hair. Um, Mm. And the next time we hooked up, he's like, (laughs) okay, he's always like, what underwear are you wearing? Wear this underwear. And and he said, wear a hat. (laughs) (gasps) It's like when people tell you to keep the lights low. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like when I also had long hair and I had long curly hair and I loved it. And it just like me the too. bleached hair, the haircut is for me, it's not for others. Mm-hmm. And I noticed the two times I had really long hair down past my chin, those were my driest years. I just, it just doesn't happen. Same with the bleached hair. I love it for me, but nobody else does. So I have a question. When I first met you and you had a rat tail, how was your game then? <laughs> that was probably not uh, one of the good years. Oh, see, you never know what people will be into. But I was still young and twinky, so people could look past that. Yeah. You also had a birthday last mm-hmm. week, right? I just turned 44 last week, and it's wild because it's technically my mid-40s now. And I sometimes forget how old I am. And but I'm gonna still tell people I'm in my early late middle 30s 40s. Uh, <laughs> see which one they pick up on. And um, it's I had people over for my birthday mm-hmm. and before going out, little pregame before going to see Gorgon City, which was amazing. Oh, but I love, it was, always love a good yeah. Gorgon City. But the huge deal was having people over because I haven't. Everyone keeps on saying, when are you going to have your housewarming? Um, I've been here for nine months and <laughs> haven't invited anyone over except, like, guys that I'm fucking. And <laughs> I took my ADHD meds regularly for the past few weeks, and I've really got um, it, like, set up. And so I was really happy about that because I haven't been really happy about my place. It's... Today, I discovered a mouse. The uh, 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 what? You know, the, the house is crooked. The windows don't all close, so it's really noisy. Um, there's always heat coming from the floors because the hot water runs in, under it, so it's always really hot. But I do not want to move again, so I'm just trying to love my place. And when I unpacked, it just felt a lot better. And mm. the best part about it was during the priest's housewarming birthday, uh, my drag sisters tried to roast me. Oh. And it was funny. Half their jokes were about my hoarding, and they didn't land because my place was beautiful. Oh. Nobody laughed. <laughs> they were laughing at the roasters because they were doing such a bad job. So fuck all y'all. I'm still the better roaster. <laughs> The jokes on them. You grew and you evolved. Mm-hmm. Their mm-hmm. jokes didn't. Uh, but then afterwards, um, after Gorgon City, we went to Rhonda, you know, like where it started in what LA, and they've come to SF. And uh, let me tell you, I've been fooled too many times by their <laughs> lack of effort on the San Francisco. Rhonda, it was advertised as two floors and that they want to re-sexualize San Francisco. But they didn't even put this on their IG. It's as if the event wasn't even happening. Because when we got there, they had half of the first floor open, curtained off. 
And uh, second oh. floor wasn't open. Nobody was there. It was dead. And the music was super unsexy. It was terrible. And it wasn't like... I, I kept wanting to like chalk it up to, oh, it's what the young kids listen to now. But I'm like, no, this is just bad music. Gay parties that play house music should be sexy, not this like shit that they were playing. And they haven't had a good Rhonda and SF since like David Harness and Ms. Worthy DJed them. Mm-hmm. I left after 20 minutes. Uh, and everybody was shocked because I never leave a party. Never leave a party early. So you are I'm just uh you are definitely yeah. angry at them. You are definitely mm-hmm. on a on a cake. And you know what? I, it is weird in SF. <clears throat> I don't think that's going to last any longer. LA is very different. LA, they have this like this party right before Thanksgiving, like Wednesday night. I didn't go this year. I went last year, but it was like one of the best parties I went to in LA. This year, they even had Caroline Palachek, my uh-huh, favorite. Our favorite. My uh-huh. our favorite um, DJing, and it was packed, and it just like was fun. I do feel like every other, every party now that's sort of like, hipster gaysian or I'm sorry hipster gay at some point they play they play house up to maybe 10 30 11 or 12 and then I feel like they switch the DJs and it's their cue to kick anybody 30 and above away like uh-huh. go home old people because it's like the hard super fast industrial music yeah. they're doing the techno and the hard style and I'm like and then you look around and it's like oh all the young twinks are still here they like it or like a whole new crowd comes at that time and I'm like, mm. oh, they're they're transitioning crowds. And I tell my friends, they're kicking the old people out. Let's go find some old school hip hop to dance to, or like some house remixes and then Gorgon City because they're kicking us out. It's like the old days when we used to go to uh, Fresh and <sighs> yes. you would see that shift of the people that drink to the people that don't drink. <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. all the people that drink, they've gotten so wasted, they left, and then now it's, like, the late-night partiers that are still out. It is such a different vibe. I really miss those days, Ruby Sky, Fresh and stuff. Oh, my God. And otherwise, um, you know, after all those, like, that bad party, I was, like, kind of just, like, not wasn't in a good mood. Um, so it's been kind of a quiet birthday week. Um, and I was just getting sad about the fun employment part of life lately. Days are passing by faster. And just like you, sometimes I feel like I've done nothing. I might spend four hours on TikTok or something. Mm-hmm. And my unemployment ran out last month. So it's just making me more anxious. So yeah. that's where I'm at. I've realized that those hard days are temporary. And they're mm-hmm. a signal for me to do something different. That, like, like that routine is not work, the, the whatever routine that is is not working for me anymore. And then, I'm, but it's so funny because even when I'm in it, I'm like, why am I feeling this way again? Oh, this is chronic for me. Like, why is this so sad? And then I realize, oh, wait, this happened four months ago and this is what you did and you felt better. Anyway, hopefully it gets better for you because it is, it is kind of a bitch just sitting around all day while all your friends are doing stuff. Yeah. And have have money, we, have money to do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we both said this like several months ago. We gotta go easier on ourselves. But sometimes it's really easy to forget that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, because of all this sadness that we're in our fun employment, but and also the partying that we've been doing, we are <laughs> severely late on this last episode. I personally am so sorry about that. Even though literally no one. No one. Nobody, baby. Nobody. 
no one was looking for it. No one even noticed. But I can't believe we finished one whole season of this. And it's so wild because when we first started this, I we kept saying, oh, maybe we'll just do six episodes the first season. <laughs> Keep it simple. Just have a few things. See if people like it. Maybe we'll get canceled. And because honestly, I really didn't know who'd want to listen to us besides just our friends, if even them, because I still know several of our friends haven't listened to even one single episode. But that's OK. I'm not mad at them. Uh and then minus a few haters and that guy on Grinder who said he loved me from the podcast and was catfishing <laughs> me using photos of someone I actually knew. That was really weird, but I'm glad other people are finding are liking us. <laughs> yeah, I more than a few times have hooked up with a listener, but they, they've always said, you cannot talk about this on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> So I'm not a material girl. I'm not a material. I'm not a material for the be real. Um, no. And and you know what? I feel like I have to say this. If you're a friend who doesn't listen to the podcast, that's okay. It's, you've decided it's not for you. Jesus. I feel like sometimes I hang out with friends and they're like, I'm so sorry I didn't listen to the last episode yet. But like, oh my God, I'm not expecting that. As if like... As if like, oh God, I'm going to see Bao today. But like, God, I haven't listened to the last episode. What if he talks about it? I was like, girl... Friendship not, cut off. <laughs> no, like friendship cut off. No, like I know you have other things to do than listen to this. Uh, you can listen to it anytime you want. What, whoever's going to find it is going to find it. It's going to be fine. So whoever's listening that's our friends and feel nervous about do not feel nervous about the fact you haven't listened to an episode. Yeah. If you don't want to listen to it, it's fine. You can choose. Yes. Yes. But what are we doing for this final episode? Uh, we're going to do something special for this final episode because it's our first season. Mm. It's going to be about our guests, you guys. <laughs> yes, we're finally getting to you guys. So throughout the season, you sent in questions to us, me and Chris, to completely unqualified people to give you advice. Severely unqualified advice. We're both between boyfriends, we're both unemployed, and we both be broke as fuck. <laughs> and on top of that, we're impulsive, we have ADHD and anxiety. Sometimes both at the same time. Yes. <laughs> Yet you lovely listeners with low standards still chose to solicit our advice. So we're going to hear from you, the listeners. We're going to get real deep into the tea of your juicy dilemmas and in the end get real about how we feel about it. So um, I think we should get into it. Yes, let's do this. Okay, our first question comes from a listener named Edison. Hi, Bao and Chris. I was wondering, what is your take on being friends with the one that you used to love and how to manage the friendship? I know it happens in the gay community, but more insight will help. Thank you for making this podcast. All right, don't you? I mean, we're both still friends with our exes, or at least some of, at least some of them. Um, what do you think? What's been your experience? I guess I've been lucky that I spent my younger years avoiding emotions that I didn't have, like, these crazy bad breakups. Um, though maybe those lack of emotions is what led to them. <laughs> the <breakup. laughs> uh, Suppression. I, <laughs> I've managed to more than stay in touch with, um, as they're, like, actually still huge parts of my life. So worked out for me, and I'm very, I'm very, I guess, 
pro friends with your relationships. I know so many people like said to me, nope, my rule is never friends with my exes. And I find Mm. having this hard and fast rule kind of limits, um, you know, your, your, your ability to enjoy like a potentially really good friend, long-term friend. I used to find it um, funny in that section of Grinder profiles where people say they're seeking friends. Kind of funny. I'm like, it's Grinder. Who's seeking friends? But recently, a lot of people I've been, do. Mm-hmm, yeah, and it's it just seemed it just when it clicked for me when some people were telling me like new friends that I've made that have moved to San Francisco, new city. They don't know anybody. They meet people on Grinder as friends. They sleep with them date them and that's how they create their friend groups and uh, i guess maybe now it feels more normalized where i would have like looked kind of down upon that before and uh but yeah that's you 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 date friends you were into them for some reason you connected so why can't you connect as friends yeah yeah and i um i mean i went to a potluck birthday party thing a few weeks ago, and I was like, oh, how do you know this birthday boy? It's like, oh, yeah, we went on three dates, but we decided to be friends, and we're good friends now. And it's just like, matter of fact. And you find that common when people meet on Grindr. And, I mean, I, I have friends, maybe friends with benefits, <laughs> that I've met <laughs> through, like, dates uh, on Hinge. But, you know, once in a while, I'm like, hey, you talked about a good resume writer. Who's the, who's the resume writer you used? So <laughs> it's, um, you know, I, I, think, I think it's less of, like, a hard line, especially in the queer community, um, mm-hmm. and I understand that you're, you're, you might be in a new, I wish I had that, like I'm moving to a new city when I moved to San Francisco. Cause I do remember that first year of feeling really lonely before I kind of met my, um, group of friends. And, you know, if I had like a Bumble friends or, or if I used Grinder at the time, um, maybe I would be, I would have found new ways or more ways to meet people. So I totally see that. Mm-hmm. And I think like the hardest part, like if it was someone that you dated, is the remembering that the hardest part of it, the breakup emotions are going to pass eventually. Mm -hmm. And that's much easier to get on that friendship path. Yeah. But but, but what do I know? Because uh, you can measure the time. I haven't dated someone in decades now. So like I said, maybe not the best person to ask this advice but that's that's my thinking <laughs> dude you have the experience you dated someone for like 10 plus years and you're still friends with them mm-hmm. that's not something a lot of people can do and I, I agree with you like you take your time to the to edison just take your time it's a cle and it's a cliche that we hear all the time but like put in the work like work through your shit he probably has shit to work through or they probably have shit to work through and from my experience i think you both need to like apologize and forgive each other for whatever you may have held some baggage mistrust or ill feelings about and when you're ready to accept that trauma and move on i think that's when you're ready to be friends and you know this i dated my ex for five years and you're friends you're close friends with him and Mm -hmm. there's very you know what, what i realized is there's very few people in my life that I have actually spent that much time with very few humans on this world where I've actually spent that much time with where I'm that comfortable in silence with who knows me that well, like someone who you'd prefer to do a long drive with because they know when to talk and they know when to just like let you listen to your podcast. I totally feel that. Yes. Right. With like your ex just to kind of knows can, can feel and sense in this way, like the real you versus the, 
maybe the friend you that your friends know, which mm-hmm. is sometimes like a performance or sometimes like a people pleasing things and thing. And so I felt like if I just like shun this person away from my life, um, who knew me so intimately to be like a sudden stranger, I would lose this person. Also, it kind of helped that like my ex and I broke up and then I moved to another city and then like he was <laughs> friends with all y'all. So like, yeah, for, for all y'all, we wanted to make it work. Mm-hmm. And I think it was hard and awkward at first when everything's so raw and we're still kind of working it out. And then it got better. And now we're super close friends and I'm super close friends with his boyfriend. And I just want to say like it took a lot of time though. It didn't just happen overnight. Like this was like almost five years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, the old, like, I mean, even ancient ways um, people teach us about exes is that like they can't be friends you know like you can't trust or you can't trust your partner's ex like there's like how many movies are there about that right like the ex like that's ex. so wild and just maybe kind of heteronormative in a way too like why is there so much jealousy this jealousy maybe there's something else wrong with that relationship instead yeah or like maybe people have not worked through their shit i think being from a family that's has my, my parents are divorced and they had to like eventually learn how to be friends because they were going to co-parent both of us. And I think seeing that, like eventually they got to that space, even though I thought they would never get to that space made me realize like that's like possible. And, um, I do think in some cases you can't trust that ex. Like what if the ex is super abusive? There's like, there's some exes that I don't talk to of course, or they did something so unforgivable, but you know, when it's not, um, that's sort of our story. So the advice to Edison is before you go and be friends with your exes full throttle, think through all the feelings that are preventing you from feeling that comfortable being friends with him now. Like make a list of it. Like, are you afraid of getting back together because you think it's going to be this constant cycle of like an unhealthy like relationship with each other? Like, are you still angry about something they did? Are they still super angry at something you did? Do you feel super guilty about something like you did? Like list them all out one by one and figure out how you're going to process those feelings. And then um, he has to kind of do that work too. And when you're ready, have that conversation. Like me and my ex had this conversation when we were ready. We were just like um, rolling on Molly and then probably a little drunk. But (laughs) we had this conversation (laughs) like I'm going to own up to some things that I did wrong. And I think when I did that, like for those next three years, you couldn't really trust me anymore. And he kind of... And I said, like, I need to hear you say that you're sorry for this one thing. I actually had to say it. Like, for us to be friends, I actually need to hear you to hear you say I'm sorry. And he said, like, I'm genuinely so sorry about that. And after that, I think we were able to move on and then not hold any kind of ill feelings with each other. But I don't, but I think it takes time to get to that space because I didn't really feel that one month, even one year after we broke up. It's got there like maybe two years after, but it's possible. Maybe the hard and fast rule after a breakup is that you're only allowed to have sex three times after the breakup and you have to decide what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe you can only get back together three times. After that, like your friends don't have any reason to support you anymore. Yeah, no No more patience. patience. There's no logical reason for your friends to support you in that anymore. Okay, for our next question, we're going to hear from Tim. So let's roll the clip. Question for Bao and Chris. What was the most embarrassing thing you've done when having sex? <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> oh Ooh, are you ready? You go first. You go first. Uh, sometimes I try to think back and to choose 
Like, I have so many things to choose from. They're not all really that bad, but when I heard this question, I had to think about it, and it all adds up to make me wonder. I sure do a lot of embarrassing things, and <laughs> is this way I don't get, like, many return calls or hookups? I mean, I've, like, fallen off the bed and almost got a concussion. <laughs> um, I remember that one. But one that comes to mind uh, instantly is the time I unknowingly found myself as a third wheel on someone else's date. Uh, what? Like, this guy I used to hook up with called me and said, oh, come meet me at the Pilsner Bar. Uh, and I get there. He says, oh, yeah, one of your friend that you know is, is with me. And some guy I used to know a long time ago, but they happened to be on a date. But they invited me on it, and then wait. How, how did you how did you find out that they were on a date? Did they say like we're on a date, yes. or did you have to like pick up? Sig- okay, wow. Okay. Yes. Well, at least they were upfront with you, and wanted to invite me because I was a common friend. Uh, but mm. then the other guy he says, "Oh yeah, let's go to um, my place and let's all smoke out." And I'm like, uh, "Okay, I'm not really a smoker. I didn't." Sm- I didn't do any drugs then and he then also goes invites his boyfriend so he's got a boyfriend going out on a date with this other guy invites me and turns into a surprise orgy which i got super anxious about because it was an unintentional orgy and though it might sound hot to some people i was very young and precocious and i had no idea what i was doing so not only did we break the bed when we got on it um (laughs) this this is before casper mattresses girl (laughs) uh it just made me more anxious so i smoked more weed Which then made me more paranoid that I just sat next to the bed smoking more and I became immovable like this high mess while everyone fucked next to me. Oh, God. It was super awkward, which actually now makes me think of the time when I was at an intentional orgy mm-hmm. on the gay cruise like uh, a little while back. And everyone was having sex except me, um, but surrounding me, they're all like these guys fucking around me, and I was just inebriated playing Wordle. So <laughs> I guess the lesson is don't invite me to an orgy because it's not going to be a good time for anyone involved. Oh, my God. I, can't, I remember when orgies were so unintentional. This was before, like, I guess, what's it called now? Ethical non-monogamy. Mm-hmm. Like, like a surprise orgy is not, like, cool anymore, right? I don't know. You dropped me off at a an, another surprise orgy once. They. Uh, oh yes, when I had yeah. I, I I didn't know what to do, but I was like, I said to you, I'm gonna do it for the story. I never knew what that's who was gonna tell the story, but I guess the world now, <laughs> where. <laughs> I show up and all of a sudden someone else shows up at the door and then another person and they invited people over uh, thinking everyone would say no, but everyone said yes. And yeah, it was a little awkward. So yeah, did it for the story. And here goes the world knowing it. (laughs) Wait, remember when we used to like, um, speaking of doing it for the story, used to like go out and I like not sleep maybe Saturday. So like maybe go out Saturday night and like not sleep until Sunday so we're at the end up, and then we would go 
they end up in SF. And then like when they end up closed, we would go to like the mix in the Castro at 7 a.m. with all the other like low lives. <laughs> well, don't forget Monroe, the after Monroe. afters. Oh, Monroe, after afters, and then to the mix, which is like probably like the morning after at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, it's one I of just. The six bars in San Francisco that opens at 6 a.m. Yes. They open at 6 a.m. again. So um, I disappeared for a while because I went home with somebody. It's this guy. I went home with this guy. We don't see anybody. And then I showed up at the mix with them, and everyone's like, oh, okay. That's we where you were doing. too. And with him, well, okay. I'm not going to say who he is. Then we kept going out. Like, we went to the cafe. We were kept going out until, like, maybe 7 p.m. And then, like, stumbled all the way home. The next morning, you messaged me. Oh, my God. I know what you're <laughs> talking about now. <laughs> what did you message me? <laughs> I think... Um, I ran into the same guy who then came home with me. Yes. <laughs> and you know what made it even... Okay, I forgot about this. Another <laughs> awkward sex story because we had partied all night. And so we hadn't slept. And clearly he hadn't slept because he was with you. And... <laughs> Uh, we thought it was a great idea to try to have sex on um, on Amali, and it was. Uh, but then, like you know, nobody could get hard. And then he didn't want to have sex with me because he felt like he didn't want to disrespect you. I was like, <laughs> "Fuck this shit." <laughs> I love how he didn't want to disrespect me, but you were like, "Game on." <laughs> And I didn't feel resistant. I thought it was the most hilarious story. Except I didn't get any that night because we both fell asleep because we hadn't got no rest for the whole weekend. You know what? Sometimes you don't need to get any. Sometimes you just need to cuddle. So hopefully you got a cuddle out of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I hope my snoring kept him awake. <laughs> your, your undiagnosed sleep apnea at the time. No, diagnosed. No. Oh, no, yeah. not at the time. Not at the time. We've been living with your undiagnosed sleep apnea for a while. <laughs> All right, so I think I have a couple of stories. This is going to be a pretty long segment of this episode. I think in the kink episode, I already talked about the f- first time I tried rope bondage and started bawling, <laughs> which is normal, so I'm not ashamed of it anymore. Thank you, Zed. Um, but I don't have any embarrassing stories. I think I have funny stories I want to tell, so let's just start from there. So mm-hmm. in the um, spirit of dream girls, in the spirit of golden girls, picture this. <laughs> Folsom weekend, 2022. I'm at the closing kink party real bad. It's really hard to get a ticket in there. This was last year. I'm newly unemployed. I'm newly platinum blonde, really feeling it. Never had been platinum blonde in my life. My best jock strap and Air Force Ones. Not the Air Force Ones. Air Force Ones. You know, you got got a cosplay circuit sometimes. And I'm stuck in the middle of the crowd, right? So then I have a full-on panic attack. Because I feel stuck because I look at the bathroom signs and they're really far away from me. And even the emergency exit signs and they're far from me. And if there was an emergency, I would be completely stuck. So my anxiety just shot up and I started feeling all these symptoms of a panic attack. You know, I had a couple of panic attacks before. So I'm like, okay, I know what to do. Stay calm. Find a friend. Ask them, can you just like hug me and breathe with me? Like up and down. And then after I did that for a while, I felt fine. But like was still pretty shaken after that because I'm just like, God, I... I don't know, am I ever going to get over these panic attacks? And then fast forward 20 minutes later, I think you have a panic attack or like a really <laughs> severe, really like 
severe K-hole, like one of those, or maybe it's both. And when you got out of it, like we walk upstairs and just try to like chill um, mm-hmm. or try to find a seat where no one was fucking sucking or fisting because real bad is kind of like one of those parties. And while we were chilling, an old worker of mine came up to me and he's like a super tall, nice guy from Arkansas. Um, and we worked together. He had a little crush on me. He was always like introduced his he would always introduce me to his friends. We were out as like, meet Baum, my future ex-husband. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just like, you know, hilarious like that. And he could say whatever he wants because he has that like disarming Southern accent. Um, and he was so high and like kind of maybe on G and like really friendly. And he was saying stuff like, Bow, I still have such a crush on you. And I'm just like, huh, that's cute. Uh, you know, it's making me feel a little bit better because I actually just had a panic attack down there and, I'm feeling kind of out of it. And he's like, well, at my last real bad, I had a panic attack too when I saw my ex fucking some guy. And I was like, okay, well, and then I felt connected to him. Like I felt kind of disarmed by what he said. And um, then he's suddenly like, would it make you feel better if I ate your ass? <laughs> Wait. Didn't this happen like 10 feet from me while I was going through my panic attack? Literally right next to you. Literally right next to you. And I was just kind of shocked. I'm like, oh, no, I'm here taking care of my friends. And this is really forward. But you know what? I told him, you know what? That would make me feel a lot better. And he's like, bow Viet Nguyen, say no more. And then he just, like, leaned me against a pillar across the room from you guys. <laughs> just, like, went to town. Like, I could see in the corner of my eye one of our friends was looking at me. And then, you know, I was just like, fuck it. If rimming my ass heals my depression, heals my anxiety, then let it be. Just accept it. And, you know, and after that, I was just like, thank you. I just really needed that. So... Oh my god! Is that why when you were tra- when you came up to console me through my panic attack, you were so upbeat and helpful? <laughs> I think you you reached that place. I know that cloud <laughs> just got lifted from me. I'm like, I'm gonna. I, I, you know what? I've had a good time. There's nothing. <laughs> nothing heals my depression better than getting my ass eaten out. <laughs> I was wondering why you were being so like just like really nice to pull me out of that thing. I was like, where where is he getting this energy from? <laughs> Rimming. Rimming. <laughs> okay, one more. One more. Picture okay. this. Picture this. Dory Alley Weekend, 2015. So this is a while ago. Oh. I'm still with my ex, or just maybe started dating him for a year. And we had like this wild night together, just us, nothing crazy. No, no unintentional or intentional orgies. Um, it was just us with a bunch of the toys I kind of kept under our bed. And we had a fun. I went to bed. Sorry, I'm burping. A little buzz because we had some drinks. <clears throat> Anyway, I woke up in the middle of the night needing to pee. So then I tried to get out of bed, but, like, I realized, like, I couldn't feel the floor. Like, there's just a bunch of shit. I'm, like, you know, there's harnesses and stuff. But I just felt like my foot or, like, my foot just felt a bunch of, like, rubbery objects under my belt. Um, Sorry, rubbery objects under my feet. And I lost my balance. And I felt sideways and, like, hit the nightstand. And I was so drunk that I was like, oh, that was just a little fall. I'm just going to go pee and then, like, Go back to bed. So when I woke up in the morning, the right side of my shirt was like caked in blood, like dry blood. It got all over the bed. And I had this huge gash, like seven inches long near my my ribs. And I looked around and realized like, 
oh, when I got up to pee, I stepped in that bag of sex toys. <laughs> that bag of dildos. And I gashed myself against the sharp corner oh of that, God. like, of that, like, cheap Ikea nightstand. That gash literally took one year to heal. And you could, there's still, like, kind of a scar there. Um, and remember when you first saw that scar and you gave me this nickname? What was the nickname? Dildo Baggins. <laughs> Dildo Baggins in the Shire. <laughs> oh, every time I look at that scar, I remember that story. Bag of dildos. Dildo Baggins. It's like your tattoo. You're going to remember it for life. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's move on. We have more questions. <laughs> the next one comes from Mike in California. Hi, Boundoncha. Love the podcast and the relatable dialogue you're providing for our community. I just want to acknowledge that uh, running the show takes a lot of time and thoughtfulness, and I really appreciate you guys. Here's my question around the intersection of relationship and friendships. What's your advice slash perspective for having a shared friend group versus different friend groups? Which one would you choose? All right, so I think it's nice to have different friend groups. I don't think one friend group can really nourish all the different parts of myself. And so I've come to find like when you reject or you're like not paying attention to one certain friend group, you're kind of like neglecting the part of yourself. I mean, that that's just me. That's what I've kind of experienced. I feel like my life in SF, my life was at least 95% gay. Like I've only hung out with this one group. I mean, I loved it. I love you guys. It's what I needed at the time. But it can, sometimes came at the expense of not seeing my other friends or like not seeing my family as much. And as I've gotten older, I've learned to balance that more. Um, like I have certain friends that like the same music, certain friends who like to party, certain friends who have loud opinions like I do about like pop music, movies, and TVs. And I have friends are like maybe on the more like therapy, emotionally intelligent side. And then I have friends who like get me professionally or get my ambition. And they don't all have to be in one group. They can just be like different friends that I hang out with different times. And so I'd like to believe that if I got in a relationship, I'd still be able to maintain this and make some space for my partner's friends and their lives. But I tend to think to your partner's friends, you're just a side character. Your partner's the main character. You know, like you don't have to expect to be like the best friend, to be as good of friends with your partner's friends as they are with their friends and vice versa. Like you're the main character in your friend group and your boyfriend is a side character. And sometimes, like, maybe the first side character, maybe bigger than that. When you can forge connections with your partner's friends, that's great. But, like, you don't have to force it and feel, like, guilty about not forcing it. Honestly, if your partner's, like, pressuring you or, like, I don't know, they shouldn't be pressuring you to be, quote-unquote, that much closer to, like, their friends if there's no connection there. I find that it's great if, like, your friend group, like, your relationship friends and friend group can coalesce and be that but sometimes I kind of joke, is that poor planning for the breakup? <laughs> like, who's going who's gonna to own the friends? Who's um, going to get custody? Who's going to get custody? Yeah. And a shared custody, I mean, it's always awkward joke for the about friends. That. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes it, everyone is that close. And, you know, that kind of, you know, has happened with some of us, that we still mm-hmm. have maintained those friendships. But, I don't know, I can't personally speak from recent experience because, you know, once again, decades have passed, but I do th- also think that it's important to have both because, you know, I think not even the two people, like, or more, 
in in the relationship have to have everything the same, including friends, um, because it's so. Because uh, they, I think they should live different lives with different friend groups who all add to like their like personalities, and then you also have something to talk about when you get home with each other. If you're doing the same thing with each other every day, in and out with all the same friends, then you get home and what are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. Like, there's, not, there's nobody to talk shit about. You need to, you need to be able to like have other people to let loose about your partner or partners or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not necessary to have all the same friends, but it's nice to have at least some of the same friends. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I know I said that thing about like, um, you know, the partner is the main character in their friend group and you're the side character, but I'm like kind of thinking about like some couples I know I'm like, they're both became, they both become the main characters, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I know one of the boy, the boyfriends longer, like the other one has literally like has the same place, you know, as a main character. So there's some people who can work their way up to that, and it just depends on the connection because that's not that's, that's definitely not the case with every couple that I know, you know. Clearly, we have no advice for for you. <laughs> it's open to interpretation, <laughs> yeah, or like just let l- lead by connection, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, just lead by connection, like they're gonna be, be some of the friends that your boyfriend has that are you're gonna really connect with, and some that you don't still try, but like don't try to force it. Yeah, it's fine. You don't have to be best friends with all of your uh, partner's friends. Sometimes it's just not going to work. All right, and we're going to have one more question from you guys after this break. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And we're back. And you tune into the season finale of Literally Gaysians, where we're giving extremely unqualified advice to our listeners. (laughs) Our next question comes from Daryl. Hey guys, Daryl here, longtime listener and based in San Francisco. We've heard of girl math, boy math, and even gay math. So my question for you two is, what's Gaijin math? Here are some I thought of. Gaijin math is identifying as top only or maybe only bottoming for someone who's as masculine as you or more because you think it challenges Asian male stereotypes. Gaijin math is working out so much to get the body you want, then going out to a rave, circuit party, or hompa, and still feeling fat or insecure next to guys whose bodies are similar to yours. Gaijin math is posting about pro-Asian and gay rights movements on social media, but not engaging with other political issues like hashtag free Palestine, hashtag ceasefire now. Curious to hear what you two came up with. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Bye. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. 
I love Daryl. Um, he always has some great spicy ass commentary after each episode, and this one was coming in hot. I don't know. I think I feel like we should respond to his Gaijin math. Okay. Okay. So he said Gaijin math is working out, but going to a circuit party and still feeling fat. Oh my god! I still so clearly remember the first circuit party I went to. I was thirty-two, but I was still an emaciated twink. But somehow I simultaneously felt both fat and skinny at the same time. It was wild. <laughs> like our occasion math is drinking G to save on the carbs and stay skinny and save money, but pay ten thousand dollars for an ambulance bill. <laughs> Ooh, girl, you went there. You went there. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't happen a lot anymore, but I felt like when we started partying 10 years ago, that happened a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but thankfully, everyone's still safe. Everyone's still safe mm-hmm. and alive. And the, we the, learned. We grew. We grew. We evolved. The community evol- evolved. Everyone knows how to dose now. That ambulance bill kept people alive. So that, that's Maybe you should have had Kaiser. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to the deep, the deep one. Um, okay. Gaijin Math is posting about anti-Asian hate, but not saying anything on hashtag free Palestine or hashtag ceasefire. I mean, Ooh, I, mean I can start with this. Girl, we're okay. getting there. She got, no, go ahead. She went there. She went there. Okay, I do agree. I feel like maybe at some on some level I'm at fault here on this one because I've finally posted a few times on this. Um, because I do support Free Palestine and support the ceasefire and hope it continues to last. Um, but, you know, after BLM, it's hard for me to not feel stuck between what is the appropriate amount of support, what is virtue signaling, and what is silence. And I still, and I feel like I can sometimes stick myself into, like, being afraid of virtue signaling about some topic that I don't know of, and then that can falter into silence, and now people are saying, like, silence is, like, bad basically i mean because i i feel you on that i find so much of it performative and i don't want to be that guy either yeah i mean like you're a fucking gaijin dj in new york what the fuck do you know about this whole conflict (laughs) you know it's like i want to hear from the experts i don't i am not looking to some you know jason chang in new york for for the news and the most informed take on free Palestine. And I think it's okay to have feelings about it, but sometimes maybe take, take a beat before you post something, reread it, think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And and no one's posted anything that problematic, but um, I just didn't want to be Justin Bieber. Do you know what Justin Bieber did? Uh, didn't he like post something like really fast, like after like the event started, and it was super uninformed, uh, like like beyond uninformed? What was it? I feel like it was like, and we're gonna get this wrong, so don't cancel us. But I feel like, well, it's just it's just Justin Bieber. I feel like he 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 like um, posted pray for Israel, and then it was a picture <gasps> or like video of the of Gaza Palestine. <laughs> So he got, he was first to post, right? And then he took it down and he finally got something right. But I'm just like, who is, why are we looking to celebrities or people completely uninformed on this topic or the history of similar topics for their take on this? And if you have a take on it, it's sort of like in an echo chamber. Um, So I feel like share things from experts. Yes. 
go to the actual rallies. I haven't been to one, but go to the actual rallies and the ceasefire. And I realized like maybe I have had this discomfort with speaking out on this topic because like it really brought me back to like my whole family's generational trauma about the Vietnam war. Mm-hmm. And when I see images of these children with everything, these families with everything packed in like one suitcase trying to flee, I just think about like, okay, this is going to fuck up that family for a few generations. Like it fucked up my family for a few generations. Mm-hmm. And that just made me just like really sad. So just like, it was really processing how like, oh God, this is like almost 40 years later after this other war or more than 40 years after this other war, almost 50 years. And this shit's still happening in another part of the world. And it was hard for me to maybe find the empathy because it made me like, it maybe triggered me a lot, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm not on my Instagram stories trying to find DJ Jason Chang's take on free Palestine, but you should still support it and support the ceasefire. I would rather like get an actual expert, an academic. Uh, I follow Viet Tan Nguyen and he has some really good takes um, on this, tying it to histories of war and American colonialism. So I feel like that's great. A lot of Filipino American friends are making really great connections to this, you know, settler colonialism and um, their experiences in, in, in a Filipino history. So yeah, those, those, that's expertise and that's really good opinions. But I feel like if you don't really have a great opinion, don't share it. Just share other great opinions. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's our Gaijin math on that. Share someone smarter than you. <laughs> Share someone smarter than you. Um, what are some of... Okay, so like, I feel like he came up with good ones. We should come up with a few. So let's uh, hear what your gauge in math is, don't you? Um, just this past week, Badlands reopened. And mm. so uh, they're not my favorite place, but it's telling your friends we're only going out for one drink but going during the two-for-one happy hour. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Asian people trying to save money. Mm -hmm. And the math ain't making sense. All right. Okay, one for me. So Gaijin Math is trying to save $10 on cover by getting to the club before 11 p.m., but then proceeding to spend $120 on a bag of cake. Girl, we are the same. (laughs) Yeah, we got the same math skills, same teacher. (laughs) Uh, You know what? Those $10... Just go to the K stash. So I guess it makes sense. Cajun Math is uh, requesting the BIPOC or low income discount code for the parties, then using that code on the VIP ticket. <laughs> you do that? I know someone who has. <laughs> well, I was going to put that. <laughs> I mean, that's so rude, but it'll happen. Wow. I didn't realize you, you can ask for a BIPOC discount. It's not advertised um, very much, rightfully so-ish, but I'm, 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 but more, I guess, progressive promoters are doing that, and I, it's great. Mm. I think it's especially becoming a thing in San Francisco um, to try to bring more people out. So how do you do it? How do you get the BIPOC discount if you're BIPOC? You click on... Um, contact organizer and you just send a question. Hey, do you got a discount code? Girl, oh. us saying this, oh my God, I, I think I'm going to ruin it for everyone. They're all going to get rid of them after this. Yeah. They're going to be like, BIPOC, except the Asians. Except gay Asian men. <laughs> um, Gaijin math is hating on white men on TikTok, but sleeping exclusively with them on Sniffies. 
Girl, you're wrong for that. <laughs> I am so right. And I'm not speaking from experience, but you know mm-hmm. those people. You know those people. Mm-hmm. We know many of them. It's uh it's 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 more of that the your 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 the the secret politics that you do. You know, it's the the performative politics. Performative. Okay, so my my Gaijin math from personal experience is douching for the first time in my life three times at the cruise and getting fucked zero times. <laughs> Girl, for the first time, you douched for the first time on the cruise? Yeah, I was in my 40s. I am in my 40s. <laughs> first time. Oh, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry to all the men who have fucked me that I didn't douche for. I was like, sometimes, it, most of the time it was fine without douching. But, you know, now that introduced, introduced, did I just say introduced? Yeah. Now that it's not that douching is <laughs> introduced, um, I feel like that's the standard that people expect now, which is annoying. Again, as John Kung said. Bottoms rights. Bottoms rights. Oh, I think it's just because we're older and I have IBS now. So. <laughs> yeah. All right, Asian math is posting hashtag BLM, but has never dated or slept with a black or brown person. Do you know how many Gaijins of the, oh. the like, girl? Mm-hmm. girl? They're the same people who put the black square on their Instagram profile photo. I'm like, yeah, and like in secret they swipe left. Is it left? Yeah, swipe left on black and brown folks, right? Seriously. But, you know, I brought this up with someone once. They're like, I don't know, I feel like I swipe right on black and brown people. They want to date me. I'm like, okay, well, fair. But at least you try. <laughs> That's the bare minimum that you can do. <laughs> swipe right <laughs> at on least. BIPOC folks. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, our Asian math is having severance for two months and being unemployed for nine <laughs> and traveling for four months of it. Oh my god, we were traveling for four months. I mean, we were in Mexico. Mm-hmm. In Mexico, we kept like, let's just keep extending this trip. <laughs> we extended it three times. I think I intended to stay in Mexico for three days. I think that was there for a week and a half. Yeah, I mean, it was worth it, but mm-hmm. was it? I mean, it was. Yeah, sure. I have to tell myself it's worth it because that's where my money went, and we're out of money now. Uh, we have to say that it was worth it because if it wasn't, oh my god, we just lost a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least we didn't we didn't get that sick. So at least there was that. Yeah, we didn't All spend sick. on. Uh, we didn't have to spend so much on Pepto as everyone else did. Wait, <laughs> okay, last one. Gaijin math is dismantling the model minority myth, but calling South and Southeast Asians "quote unquote" ghetto. Oh, ain't that the rudest? It's the rudest. It is. Part of my inner child that has not healed. I'm still very bitter about this all through high school and through all my adult life. Stop saying Vietnamese people are ghetto. Stop saying brown Asian API folks are ghetto. Stop saying the word ghetto. So I don't know. Times have changed. Grow up. I mean, I probably used to say that to you even, but I've grown. I know, but my I I sleep well at night knowing that you used to make Vietnamese jokes at me, and then one day you took your twenty three andme test and found out you were part Vietnamese for a little bit, but you were part Vietnamese, and I'm like, karma's a bitch, isn't it? 
<laughs> oh, technology. That was a good, like, six months where I'm like, oh, my God, I'm Vietnamese. Like, <laughs> it was like a new identity I was trying to live into. <laughs> wild. Wild. Okay, for the last time this season, it's time to be real. Mm-hmm. This is part of every episode, or most of the episodes, when we remember, where we literally word vomit whatever's on our minds, hearts, or holes. Our holes. Well, the most important part. Don't you? Time for you to be real. Uh, God, these are always so hard. Um, and I was thinking about it, and so I guess it's a little multi-layered be real since it's the last episode. So um, it's sort of a collection of thoughts after this past year of doing all of these B-reels and episodes with you. Because mm-hmm. uh, someone was like talking about their coming out story recently, which feels weird at this age to be talking about coming out stories. I felt like I was always talking about it in my like teens and 20s, but it seems so long ago now. And it made me think about the first time I was sad about a friend moving away. This is elementary school. And it got me thinking about, did I, was I sad because I had a crush on him? And these were like the early feelings of like my like feelings for other men. Or was I just sad because we would never see each other again? Or both. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. Um, and then... It led me to think about, like, whatever that feeling was, um, as a kid, I didn't come home to my dinner table and get asked how my day was or how my friends were. Like, you know, friends didn't come over. My parents didn't know them. You know, one of my parents doesn't really speak English. And they've never asked, like, how my day is or we talk about, like, mm. how you're doing. You're just on your own. And, and... I think it like normalized for me in my casual conversations skills is that I don't have those skills, like not to be able to hold conversations easily with people because I didn't grow up with that. You just, I just ate at the dinner table uh, for all my parents. You know, I didn't have any friends. And so to um, express my feelings, which is like, it's so the, the the kind of way I grew up is so different than so opposite of what we're trying to do on this show. Like, mm. you know, we have our be real. We um share our feelings. And which brings me to you. And because you partly represent a part of my life where I think I came into my own. And uh when I met y'all more than a decade ago, I used to always joke that, you know, I'm emotionless. And like I said earlier, I didn't like express those emotions or I didn't know how to feel them which we've both mm-hmm. been told by our therapists, <laughs> you got to sit in your emotions. You need to feel them. Don't just like mm-hmm. say, well, I have that emotion and, you know, over-intellectualize it or something. Feel it. And I didn't know how to do that. And I think knowing you and doing this podcast has um, helped me do that. And, you know, between our Molly talks and you being sometimes 
very aggressive with forcing some truth out of me. <laughs> it's really changed like the way I talk to people. And sometimes you'll, you know, you'll say on this, like, uh, it's time for you to be real. And I get super flustered and I don't know what to do. <laughs> and then I have to, because we're recording and it's sometimes like, Oh God, just, just, and then like I go blank and I just like word vomit it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> You know, but because I have that sh- shit health insurance with being jobless, um, this podcast has been my free therapy. So it's great. <laughs> you know, I don't think you're bad at having conversation. I mean, I invited you to co-host this with me because I think you're great at having conversation. So maybe that was something that came later in life, but mm-hmm. I didn't really don't see you that way. I think it's hilarious. Now when I think back, like last year, me just showing up and be like, Chris, we should do a podcast where we talk all about our feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, great. I thought you were still joking. <laughs> but it's been a great uh, journey. Since. So, well, thank you. Um, I know I can be a lot about the emotions at times. I'm trying to be a little better about it. But, you know, after being in therapy, I feel, just feel like um, I'm better about, like, keeping that away, pre- like, keeping the weight of that on my friends and, like, actually going to a professional. Because I do think at some point <laughs> I realized, like, okay, there's some point where I don't think my friends have the skills to help me through this. And I feel bad for them. So, you know, I sought sought professional help. And like you, I also am no longer going to therapy because I'm no Mm -hmm. longer into the income bracket to afford it. But my be real is that I'm weirdly feeling good. And I think our be reals can be good things too. Mm -hmm. And you know me, I'm just going to question it and overthink it. But I think I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm still facing a lot of uncertainty but there's like a feeling that I'm just going to be okay, which is kind of weird because usually I just mm-hmm. be super anxious. And that's a very new feeling for me. And I'm like taking a break from therapy aside from like not being able to afford it anymore. And before everyone starts like blocking me or screaming, dear Lord, put Bao on high alert. He's no longer in therapy. He's gonna be on <laughs> I just felt like, you know, I got to a point where most days of the week I was doing fine. And when it was approaching that hour or that 45 minutes with my therapist, I was like trying to just like find rack my brain and try to sit and try to find the things I want to work on. Then I just felt like every week we were just revisiting traumas that I don't want to stay in anymore. And I was ready to move on from. And so um, that's not to say, don't get me wrong. My therapist was amazing. Like I love my therapist. He's also really hot, but I love him in like, in like a therapist patient way, not in like a weird transference, like weird like HBO prestige drama way. I just really do love him for what he's like done for me. Like I've met him during the pandemic when I first kind of went through the first bout of depression. And then when I had those panic attacks and leaving my job, like he really was the first person I called and he had space for me. He's so fucking good at that. But I'm out of that place now. And so I'm also out of the income bracket to afford it. So I think I'm fixed. Yeah, fixed. And I know we're never fixed. I'm just ready for that break. Um, Mm. And since then, I felt great. Like I have no job, but, you know, I have my backup plans. I have no boyfriend. I'm just not in a rush. I'm running out of like my comfy pot of money that can always move in with my dad or find a roommate or like, I think I spent a lot of this year really being angry at my parents for the past trauma because it was dug up. But now I've kind of accepted them for who they are and accepted like that's happened and I'm a different place now. But I needed to have gone through that awkward, uncomfortable part of processing it to get here. And so this feeling, I'm just going to enjoy it. Like remember when Chris Zoe, when he came onto our Mm -hmm. podcast and he said like, he has always just been this person that walks around with the sun over his head while like, other people, like his brother, like were anxious, walk around with like a rainy cloud over their head. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. I feel like for now, like there's a sun there over my head and it's been cloudy for the last few years and I'm just going to enjoy it. So my be real is this happy one. It doesn't always have to be sad. It's giving stillness. It's giving content. And thankfully, it's no longer giving fight or flight because I wasn't there for so long. And I'm just going to enjoy it. It's okay to be happy. Yes. Yes. And what surprises me like is that I'm happy during a time where I really have nothing else that I used to like rely on to be happy about. Mm -hmm. Um, And that feels good. Yeah. It's an interesting way to put it. Like, like there's so many things that we have been taught that we should be happy about. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like you had a well-paying job before (laughs) and Mm -hmm. like a lot of things going for you, but um, you were saying that, you know, sometimes you weren't like, you know, feeling it. And now, just like you said, there's all these things that might seem like aren't working, but you are really feeling yourself. And I'm I'm happy for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just going to enjoy it. I know this shit comes in waves. I could be completely depressed tomorrow. I could be trying new haircuts on AI things and paying $17 for them. But um, for now, I'm good. Oh, I love that. Oh, and with that, it's our last episode of the season. How did you feel about that, Val? I feel like we finally found our groove in the last episode. Um, Just the last episode. (laughs) I mean, girl, go back and listen to that first episode. Well, we Uh, were drunk. We were drunk. But it was still kind of fun to listen to in a way. But we found like this other groove where we're just not, I get as afraid anymore that people would talk shit about us because we openly talk shit about ourselves or like people would gossip about us. Like we just kind of like put our whole lives in front of everything. So I think everything just feels okay. Yeah. They are talking shit about us, but for sure. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. (laughs) Except when, um, your catfishing man grinder, please don't do that. (laughs) That's, that's not cute. But thank you to all the Gaysians who submitted questions. Um, I hope our advice doesn't ruin your life. (laughs) (laughs) I feel compelled to say, as a disclaimer, you who submitted questions, by listening to our rants, you agree that any advice you follow is of your own free will, and we are not responsible for any additional therapy fees you incur as a result. Just had had to put it out there. Mm -hmm. We (laughs) are not professionals. We are not licensed. So We're not even employed. (laughs) (laughs) Dating anyone. So many questions about dating. (laughs) I know, I know. Cancel us. Oh, I'm really going to miss doing this. I know, I will too. But I think we're going to enjoy our much-needed break. And we will be back next year because we already have a lot of ideas, a lot of topics, a lot of guests um lined up for season two already so i'm I'm excited for that but but i'm also excited for the break yeah but that doesn't mean y'all can't send um submissions for topic ideas um you can follow us and send those ideas to literally gaysians on instagram and tiktok and you can find me on instagram at meetmesouthofmarket.gif and you can follow me, Bow Bow Bowser with a Z, on Instagram and TikTok. All right. To send us off, uh, let's answer this question submitted by a listener named Eric. What was your highlight of the season and why? I mean, I feel like I have a couple of highlights. Um, one was 
I forget which episode it was. What it was Panda Dulce when you had your drag sister on, mm-hmm. and she talked about the run-in she had with the Proud Boys reading books at a library in drag. And that mm-hmm. was going to be the last time she told that story because it was so hard for her. And, you know, we checked with her a couple of times if she wanted to do it. And she did want to do it. But it made me feel like, well, what a pressure. It was such a generous thing for her to do. And yeah. an amazing th- thing that she kind of went through and grew through that says so much about, like, gay or queer life um, in our country right now, but through this Gaijin lens. And that, like, gay, queer people are at the front lines of these really recent issues and we never get really seen. I thought that was, it's in an early episode, so we didn't have that big of an audience then. But I would say, like, that's one of those big highlights for me of, like, we were able to, like, create a platform where she could tell the story. Um, and it mm-hmm. changed me a lot when she told it. Yeah. And, and it was painful you know, for her, too. Painful for her, yeah. And, but she she was willing to do it. And we also had fun. Like we also had fun on that episode. And that's like, I feel like that sums up like sort of like what we try to do here. And so if you're new to this podcast and you haven't listened to that episode with Panda Dulce, I'd say like, go back and listen to that episode because it's one of the highlights of the season for me. Oh, that kind of actually reminds me of the episode we did with Kevin Kwong, who had gone through, he was like, you know, the Gaijin face of the MPOX epidemic. And he was so exhausted from talking to these journalists who all were skewing his message, trying to get mm-hmm. it out there. And so we were the last time he talked about that topic too. And mm-hmm. that kind of like, and it made me feel kind of special that we could convince our friends to talk about these very painful topics for them. And uh, I guess that's sort of like, not the point, but part of what we kept doing with our be reels, asking people to do stuff that's so painful and talk about their feelings. Uh-huh. <laughs> because, like I was saying before, I didn't grow up talking, and I've said it many times through the season. Like, oh, I don't like my parents. I grew up like not talking to them. They don't. We don't connect. But you know, that is part of our experience like some some people's like immigrant experiences and the I'm going to be greedy all of the season has been a highlight because it forces me to um both express feelings that I honestly never would express before and mm-hmm. get to hear from other people and force them to do it too so like these are not everyday conversations you have when you're at a bar these I've all felt very special. Yeah. No, I feel the same. So all when of I, them are my special favorite episodes. <laughs> me too. And, I, you know, I, I, I think I felt like, oh, I know the popular episodes are going to be like the rave episodes, the HomePod episodes, or the episodes with really famous guests. But the episode that really surprised me of how popular it was, was the one about tough feelings as our parents age when we just spent an hour trashing our parents basically but like, <laughs> not not just that but like really rawly confronting this the trauma with our parents but also the weird tough feeling of like still feeling like you needed to take care of him but when i look back at that episode i think it's really interesting because we're i don't think we're we're right we're there anymore and then like we're at that place of yeah. rawness with our parents where i think we've 
grown and evolved and actually moved to a lot more toward acceptance with their parents. But it's just mm-hmm. interesting when you listen back to the episode, which is a good episode. You should go back and listen to it if you haven't and really feel like, oh, you can share something and won't, and you won't. It's interesting to look at that and realize some hard feelings don't stay there forever. Yeah. They're temporary. The, both good and bad feelings will pass. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it is very interesting. So go back and listen to those episodes because for now we're off to our break. We love you guys. We're going to miss you guys, but we'll be mm-hmm. right back. Yeah. Hopefully by next season we'll be gainfully employed and maybe we'll even have better special effects because we can pay for them. <laughs> I know we have some things in store, so we're excited. But in the meantime, love you guys. Bye. See you next time. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.